0: mixtapes with mike is now working in partnership with black circle records an independent record store based in latent buzzard no money is changing hands but we are going to work on some promotions together so it would help us both out if you would take a second and follow black circle records on instagram or click on the link in the show notes to visit their website all right so who's your first track by
1: oh if i gotta tell you i yeah. don't know <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. You're going to hear us talk about each song, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. So this week we're speaking to someone I would not have met were it not for music. He's someone who's played music for a long, long time, but had to stop because he was dealing with some mental health issues, which is something he is very open and frank about during this episode. So if that's something that you might be a bit sensitive about, please take care whilst listening. But as we speak to him now, he's quite a few miles down the road to recovery, and he's about to embark on a musical project aiming to raise money for mental health charities. This man is a musician, a craftsman, and someone I'm very proud to call one of my dearest friends. This week's guest is Craig Gold.
1: How are you doing? Well, hello. (laughs) I'm very well, thank you. Uh, He's lying. I've never met him before. He's got got no friends. uh, I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm I'm all right. I'm not bad. I'm not bad at all. Um, So, how long have we known each other now?
1: Well... uh, I was actually, uh, I was trying to work this out with Chris Helping. Okay. Uh, because we, uh, it was the same night, I believe, mm-hmm. that when I first met you, it was because I was putting on the music for Tamworth Beer Festival. Yes. And I can't remember how I got your name or your details. I can't remember if I'd put something on a forum saying, is there anybody about, or if somebody give me your number. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But I remember speaking to you before it and you said, oh, I got this guy called Chris as well, I can bring him down. I said, yeah. Oh wicked or oh, put four of us on. So it was that night that we first met properly. Yeah. Cause I can remember when after we'd all finished playing, we were sat in front of the stage at the assembly rooms drinking the beer, and it was me, you, Chris, Chris's lady Nikki. Yes. And then I think uh, Ron and Jeremy. Not Ron Jeremy. <laughs> 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 Ron and Jem, not Ron Jeremy. That would have been a great night.
0: Yeah, because we all got given a, a glass and, and, and our own specific barman to go to. And yeah. and that's where we got our beer. And at the end of the night, they were putting on curry or chilli or something like that. And and we could pretty much stay as late as we wanted after all the other punters had gone.
1: Yeah. Well, we did the Saturday. And of course, the, the festival opens on a Thursday. And then Saturday's the last night, so we had that night where it was basically we could stay until the the staff at the assembly rooms kicked us out, and it was a case of drink as much beer as you can, yeah, whatever's left, finish it off because it's going. And that and that we did, we, tried. Yeah,
0: to. well, we definitely did. Um, so I reckon I would have been about twenty-four, so that's fourteen years ago.
1: Yeah, it's probably about right. Well, I finished university in two thousand and four. So it would have been about 2006. Yeah, I think you're right, 2006, 2007.
0: Yeah, and then I think you got me along for another acoustic gig at one point and then I got a random phone call because you and the boys from your band Carousel Circus were going to the pub in Wilnicott and I got a random invite and I was just like, you know what, yeah, I'll come along. And uh, and then that, and after that, we were, we, we were firm
1: friends. I think that would have been the Queen's Head, wouldn't it? Quite possibly, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was that was the beginning of, a, of a, a long and illustrious boozing career with the Carousel Circus.
1: Yeah, and um, thanks to my dad for for uh, when I lived with him, we used to sit in the garage. <laughs> 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 we didn't wake him after nights out. Yeah, puffing away in the garage, putting the tumble dryer on to keep us warm. <laughs> uh,
0: so, um, so yeah, we met through music. Is is the point that we're getting at? Um, and how long was Carousel Circus as a band going?
1: Uh we we did a decade, man, ten years. Two two thousand and four to to two thousand and fourteen. It was a good run. We we um me and Bishop finished university in the, in the summer of two thousand and four. And then we we put we we'd already been playing. So technically Carousel Circus maybe was going for a year before that. Mm-hmm. We got Simon in on the drums that summer, and then entered Guitar Wars in Tamworth and won it. And that was in the think mean, that was the autumn winter of 2004. So that's when we started playing. And that, yeah. and then our last gig was at Wellfest in Strat- well, just outside of Stratford in 2014. Ten years, th- three different drummers, shitload of booze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, in terms of like building your mixtape, how did you approach putting your playlist together?
1: Well, I didn't want to come up with uh, these are my ten favorite songs uh, because I, I they, they change all the time. I don't really have a favorite song. Depends what mood I'm in, and it's a bit, I can't. I, you hear that all the time my favorite songs and it's just like, oh, really and um i didn't want to come to you and say well these are the ones that have influenced me because again i, f- I find that a bit mundane so i've picked songs that i i would say they they, they represent uh very memorable times in my life so I- and i do love all these songs but even if i didn't like one of the songs they could be in there because yeah. it it goes bang to a, a moment. Okay. a memory.
0: All right, well, that's a, that's, that's a great way of approaching it. A lot of people have taken the, the same tack, and they've all been really good uh,
1: episodes off the back of it. So... I think it makes it more personable, doesn't it? it you know, it makes it more part of the uniqueness of a podcast, as, a, as opposed to...
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about having a conversation and, and getting something across about who you are, then this is exactly the right approach to take so yeah you, 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 you've done right there alright so who's your first track by well the first
1: track <laughs> I remember now <laughs> is, is the day we caught the train by Ocean Colour Scene alright now
0: Ocean Colour Scene for me there were a couple of tracks that I, that I liked but I was never all in on them like so many people were but yeah uh, hmm. There was a lot of good indie music kicking off at the time, I remember. Um, the the song that was used in the intro for Lockstock and Two Smok- Smoking Barrels comes to mind, like...
1: Yeah, yeah. 100 Mile I City, that one. Yeah, but... Um, so, like, wh- why this one? Well, when I was... This song was released in 96. So I was 13 then. And... You're at that time in your life where you start discovering yourself or wanting to sort of, you know, you're sort of reaching for a bit of independence, aren't you? And hairs are starting to grow. <laughs> <You know. laughs> things are starting to get stiffer on the back of the bus. Um, all those sorts of things. You start becoming or starting to become an individual as opposed to a child. Approaching mm-hmm. that time of puberty. Um, now, I remember, we used to have, you remember those old hi-fis? Like a big yeah, yeah, yeah. square, like a black square with like a massive equalizer on there that did yeah, nothing, just yeah. pointless, but it cool. We used to have one of them in the back room. We used to put B on it. Uh, which uh, that's not going anymore, is it? But it was a Birmingham radio station, yeah, yeah. And I remember <clears throat> they played this snippet of a song, and and it was day we caught the train, but it was like a small little bit, like bit 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 bit. And the DJ's like, oh, so coming up, like we've got some of that, and it's something like you've never heard before. And I remember thinking, like, what was that? And I waited for the song to come on, and and they played it, and. I'd never heard anything like that before uh, Just that I mean, that, there is it is think all we'll the get You know, they get labelled as a mod band and, and people say, oh, you know They're just small faces, reincarnated Or they're this, or they're that And so on Not everyone, by the way But that's how they can be perceived sometimes And uh, it was uh, There was a lot around in the 90s that it was that 60s revival the same way as now we'll start getting the 90s revival and we're just coming out of what was the 80s revival for the last yeah. 10 years of music anyway it, it just absolutely connected with me it was amazing um, so the, the week after I went down to the to Woolworths in Tamworth yeah. and I bought for 99p I bought this the cassette single and I played it and it was wicked and then uh, I think coming up to Christmas my mum said to me right I'm, I'm going to buy you an album for Christmas you seem to like your music let's let's take you to, to the music shop and, and you can choose an album and and this is where I was on that puberty scale at that time like deciding where to go to manhood or to to otherhood or whatever I couldn't decide between the pop world or this new sort of sound that I was hearing so I stood in the music shop probably for about 20 minutes with the Spice Girls album in one hand and Ocean Colour Seam, mostly Shoals in the other. Because there was a romance with the Spice Girls, I, I fancied all of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, I think Posh was my favourite. And so I've got this romance, this teenager, uh, lost <laughs> in one hand. I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, and then this this like this new sound that that was like my stomach. So it's like testicles and stomach. Not knowing what to choose. And I remember my mum saying, well, you just pick one. Come on, we've been here for ages, we've got the car's gonna run out. I was like, Right, I'm gonna go for this. So I went for ocean colour scene. And that is what started off me wanting to learn to sing to play the guitar to write songs and everything and it all started in that moment and that song you know I made sure it was played at my wedding every time my sister hears it she texts me saying oh I heard this today you know. reminds me of you because it used to do a wedding at home. Mm-hmm. I was playing it all the time and uh, well,
0: well it's always that thing when you get a single and you don't have much other music especially if it's that new genre you yeah. play it to death
1: yeah. Oh God, yeah. And uh, but the annoying thing then as well is you'd you play it, but then you had to rewind it to play it again. So you're like, oh, what a tune. I'm gonna put that on again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, but you've you've actually you've actually played with Ocean Colour Scene with the band, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they, they were. It's an influence on my songwriting and music now. Uh, they're not, um, but they were certainly the biggest. I still enjoy listening to them, but I mean, I was crazy mad back then through my teen years and early 20s, I was just obsessed. And um, again, they inspired me. They made me want to learn music to, to, to sing and that. And uh, I've played with them, I think, three or four times. Mm-hmm. Um, although a couple of the gigs were where I played at a festival and Simon Fowler, the singer, played acting. Yeah. And uh, I remember we played at, 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 at uh, in Stratford. And we played, and then we come off stage afterwards, and he came. Simon Fowler came up to us he said, I love that, guy. That was great. And he, he he come up to me and he says, your hands must kill playing your guitar with no pick like the way you do. I was like, well, you know, you get used to it. And I just said to him, do you want a beer? And he's like, yeah, OK, then. So we go to the bar and I'm like making sure I've got enough money in my wallet. <laughs> so I'm like, get, it, get him a beer in. We get some beers in and we just spent probably half hour talking to him. And he invited us over to where his friends and family were we were just talking music and he was saying how much he thought my songs were great and I had a great voice and all this and do you know what? It didn't matter at that point anything could happen and I was like, oh, that's just been the best day ever.
0: When you find Moving on from Motion Colour Scene, who's your next track by?
1: Oh, wow. The next track is Hurricane uh, by Bob Dylan.
0: Uh, It's the second time Bob Dylan's come up uh, on mixtapes, and I would have thought he'd have come up more than he has. Um, But
1: why have you picked this track? After... The ocean colour scene explosion, Uh, you start listening to other stuff then and you start tracing back where their music come from and and influences and that. And Bob Dylan was always a massive name in music for anyone. Anyone who picks up a guitar Mm -hmm. is going to have heard of Bob Dylan. Um, And and the the weight that his name carries just makes you want to check it out. And I did check it out, I Self-Portrait, one of his albums. It's not one of the the bigger ones, but they had some cracking songs on that. Uh, and I just started listening to some of the other stuff and I liked it all. But when I heard Hurricane, it was another one of those moments that it just made me. Some songs, you feel the groove of the beat and it's nice, you can move to it. But other songs connect with you uh, in a spiritual sense. And they talk to you, and this song did that. The, the the song, for those that don't know, Bob Dylan tells the story of uh, the hurricane is the boxer Rubin Carter, and he was um, arrested and put in prison for for for, for murder. Um, Bob Dylan went to meet me in prison, and. Wrote this song because it was part of trying to get him out because it, Reuben Carter was black, and the, the the whole point behind the story of the song is that he was falsely tried for this crime because of the colour of his skin. And this has always been one of my favourite songs, but it's even more poignant now because this the the the, the treatment. That people receive because of the colour of the skin is still going on now, which is unbelievable. Um, But the song itself, the way Dylan writes the song, it tells the story from start to finish of that whole experience of Ruben Carter. uh, Put in a prison cell, but one time he could have been the champion of the world. I mean, Ruben Carter was a boxer, was an amazing boxer. I can't remember who he fought, but he fought for the heavyweight title before... um, Sorry, he fought for the world title. He was a middleweight um, long before these shootings. And any of the press that day, or the commentators, all say that Carter won that fight by a mile. But it went to points, and he didn't win the title. It stayed with with the other guy, who was a white fighter. And... The, the 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 way Dylan just puts across the story of Ruben Carter and and the Hurricane, which are it's a great name for a boxer. It's a great name for a song. Um, it's just wonderful. And and I got a bit obsessed with the whole Ruben Carter story. There's a brilliant film with uh, Denzel Washington playing the Hurricane. It's a brilliant film to watch. And. I can't remember the, the, the people who did it now, but there is a... Um, it's on a podcast, and it's called The Hurricane Tapes, and it's a sports journalist who worked for the BBC. It, now, Reuben Carter was eventually released from prison. He's never received any apology from any of the, the states to say you were wrongly put in prison. You were, you were treated that way, because of the colour of his skin, nothing. He's never re- received a dime of compensation or anything for that whole time that he was in prison. Um, and I can't remember what the point was. That was like, yeah. But um, you got obsessed with oh, the yes. story. Yeah, but the the, uh, the the tapes revisit the whole thing of what happened. And it leaves it open-ended from the evidence and the people they spoke to. There could still be an argument that Reuben Carter did shoot these people and there's still an argument that he never did. But whether he did or didn't, the evidence wasn't there and he was still put away because of who he was as opposed to if he did it or not. And uh, the song just sums it up amazingly. It's a, it's a wonderful wonderful song that just it shares that heartache of, of, of it all with you it's brilliant just as soon on my
0: way up to some
1: paradise
0: where the drought streams flow and the air is nice and ride a horse along the trail So that's Bob Dylan. Who
1: are we listening to now? Oh, so the next song is a guy called Joe Purdy. Uh, and his song is War Dogs, in brackets, Refugees. Now, this is from an album uh, that he uh, recorded in 2016. And the, the album itself is amazing. It's very, uh, he's looking at America and the state it's in in 2016. Now that is before everything that's gone on since that time um, but, but he, he's basically saying that you can feel the pain in the, in the lyrics and the performance of the, of, of the state of America and it hurts him um, War Dogs focuses on um, refugees and the fight that refugees have to survive there's this amazing but um, well, the, the the production's amazing. You can tell that it's just done um, live in a studio. It's, it's not really overdubbed at all. So you can hear all sorts of... Like the bass squeaks a couple of times. You think, oh, you know, if you were recording it on its own, you'd be like, well, we've got to do that again. But the feel of the song is amazing. And I love recordings like that. That it doesn't have to be perfect because it's about... The, the feel of the song and, and if the feel and the movement is there you don't need to have those perfect recordings for it to reflect where it needs to go um, the, the, the line that just it, it, it's so emotional it can fill me up when I hear it, um, it, it it's a father and son and the, 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 he goes a uh, uh, yeah, so the son says to his father, he says, Papa, where is the water? Where is the food? Where do we go from here? And then the dad sings back and he goes uh, We'll drink from the puddles, my boy, and eat off the street. Uh, and then he says, well, hide. Yeah, hide until the war is won or drown in the sea. I mean, that's... If there's anything that just doesn't hit you in the face... Of what these people go through, we'll, we'll hide until the war is won, or we'll, we'll we'll take our chances in the sea, and we'll probably drown. And that's a that's a father saying that to his son. That's immense, but it gives you this story, this this. Uh, it, it reels you in with that, so you want to know. Then naturally, we want the beginning, the middle, and the end of a story. So we want we want to feel that these guys survived. You don't find out. It then hits uh, into, it just plays out a harmonica solo to the end of the song. And that's it. It's it's finished. It's, it, I mean, the, the emotion in that harmonica, it's a wonderful, wonderful song. It's, it's done so well. And it's another one that it can sum up a, a huge feeling that we have with, with the it's
0: issues. It, it's my favourite song on this mixtape, if I'm honest. I've listened to it twice today. Once when I was driving around in the car running a couple of errands. And this track sometimes, because it's, it, like you said, it's, it's, it's a fairly minimal kind of production. Mm. And when when you hear a song like that and you're alone in a small space with, with the volume up and you can hear all these little things that are going on in the recording, sometimes with, with, with a recording like that, it almost feels like you're in the room. And yeah. You, you just get taken somewhere by it. And I'd heard a lot of the music that, that you've picked on the mixtape before and, and we'll get to all of them and, and, and I do like everything that you've picked but this one I hadn't heard before, and this was the one that really
1: grabbed me. Mm, it does, it, su- it sucks you in. You know, we, we, we've we heard, I mean, depending on what news you listen to or watch, or what what that news wants you to know, you hear the odd stories about the boats turning up. Well, we, we've, and they've lost some bodies as they've tried to cross the channel. And... The, the, the awful the the the, the 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 word refugee it gets such an awful stereotypical uh, response from a lot of people over here and Brexit and all that stuff I'm not here to talk politics but you understand where I'm coming from the word refugee can be can be snarled at by some people these are just people trying to get themselves safe and. Joe Purdy in that song strips all that stuff away I don't care who you are what your opinion is you listen to that song and it will make you think twice of what what, what you think of people who who are just trying to live that's all they're trying to do
0: another song that i heard last year that's that has a similar sort of message is by a group called skin and demoralized and the the track's called superheroes and it's got this kind of post rocky kind of very minimal riff going around the back of it and the, the lyrics it sounds like a spoken word piece and he's talking about a refugee kid in in a british classroom um, and the last lyric is heartbreaking. I'll, I'll you know, I, I implore you to listen to it. I, I, I might actually fade it in to the edit just for context.
1: Seventy-eight percent of them are living here alone. We're standing in the school. Marco is the teacher. He's got a sofa now in Newcastle, but he's still a weekly feature. He said, draw your favourite superhero with pencils and a pad. This boy sat in silence and drew a picture of his dad.
0: All right, so
1: that's Joe party, who we're listening to now. Well, the next one is the man in black, Johnny Cash with the man comes around first time johnny cash has ever been put on a
0: mixtape really yeah it's the first time he's come up man in fact there are there are a lot of firsts on your mixtape um which i won't list them all without giving the rest of your playlist away but um but yeah there's there is quite a lot of, uh, of of first entries as it were and i wondered if that was part of your approach but purely by accident
1: no because i when I like put this list together, I felt I was like, "Oh, there's a lot of big names in there. Sounds like I'm sort of going for like a, a really safe commercial bet." <laughs> but it's not. I was aware of Johnny Cash, like I think a lot of us were,
0: um, but but I think it was it was the American recordings and all the covers that came out of it that kind of sort of uh, reignited sort of public awareness of him the Nine Inch Nail cover of Hurt was probably the, the thing that that grabbed me but then to find out that there's all these other covers as well
1: I was tossing up between Hurt and this one yeah I, I chose this one only because Cash wrote this one yeah as most of the huge icons do Elton John Tom Jones uh Rolling Stones Rod Stewart we see them as huge now and they were huge in the day but they all went through a period where they probably couldn't sell a single thing their stuff would have been in the bargain bins they just went out of fashion they all did I think the difference between what makes them great is the fact that they they bounce back from that they do something different I mean, it's not my cup of tea, but Rod Stewart did all, all the um, like the American songbook stuff, and that. I mean, I like early Rod, but um, the, the, Tom Jones reinvented himself with a uh, "You Don't Have to Be Beautiful." Uh, kiss, kiss, yes. Oh, I, I, do. <laughs> I can do. I can do a good Tom Jones. I'll do it later. I won't do it now. I'll pop him in later. (laughs) Um, Now, Cash, uh, he had that lull, as as people do, and he came back. And it's just that the unexpected, the producer that did the American recordings was Rick Rubin. He'd never touched anything like that before. Um, And the thought of like a, a country star an ageing country star like Johnny Cash enlisting a hip hop producer that just worked with the Chili Peppers that doesn't sound right, like, does it you're going to think that ain't going to work but the, the the beauty of that first album was just immense just Cash and the guitar and I think Cash took like so many songs to Rick and they nailed it down to that first ten. This song is on the fourth American Recordings album. So the songs over the over the time they built up a bit more, you had a few more people playing instruments on them and that. But and as you mentioned earlier, a lot of them are covers, but he wrote this one. And to be at the age he was, his health was 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 suffering. Mm-hmm. Um June Brazil. To then still come out with a song like that—that's—that's that's when you. It's just awesome. It's mm-hmm. a fantastic song. The production from Rubin is brilliant. It's another very simple uh, setup. It's a very simple balance of instruments, but that's all. True songs can be played with a full band. With an orchestra, or they can be played just one person. And this just sums it up wonderfully. His voice is amazing on it. And uh, it's just a great song. It, it's just a, 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 a. When you're coming towards the end of your life and you're still banging out songs like that. Legend, mate. Legend. Well, I think. At, at that point, you, you would
0: expect a lot of people to sit back and, and relax and take life extremely easy, but I don't think that stopping is something that ever entered his head. I don't think he was capable no. of stopping.
1: No. It's, for, some it's, for some people, it's a job, isn't it? Yeah. You do a job. So there's people who write songs, it's their job. They perform, it's their job. For some people it is their life but then they just they go off it as which is okay. Everyone does that. You can you can love something and go off it. But then there are people that have something that is part of their life source and music and Johnny Cash is that it's like Freddie Mercury as well. I know he died a lot younger, but he was going right to the end. All he wanted to do was 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 make music. And uh it's powerful when you, when you when you are writing songs when you're facing that time of your life they're, they're really they're, they're, they're strong and you can feel the emotion in them I mean with the American recordings you can hear Cash's breathing it's so heavy on yeah. so many of the tracks because he's struggling to catch his breath yeah. but he's you can imagine them saying do you want a break and he'll be like no I'm getting this done mate it's powerful when when you get those levels of recordings and it's captured Down before the throne and at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns.
0: when the man comes around whoever is unjust let him be unjust it'll
1: sound hit it tom jones quite likes that song you know
0: All right so moving on from Johnny Cash we've got another first
1: Oh get out of time.
0: Phil. really no so yeah, I, actually he he was almost used in the very first episode uh, by Andrew McBurney but he switched it out at the last minute for for another band he he was going to put Springsteen in for his mum because he 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 loves Springsteen because of his mum but uh, we were talking about other bands and then something popped in his head and he was like, ah, right, okay, yeah, that's got to go in. So he had to sacrifice the tracks. So I'm quite strict on the 10
1: tracks. I thought he was going to say he was going to put it in for his mum, but then he didn't get what he wanted for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> he took it to that, yeah. So the person in question is the boss, Bruce Springsteen, and the song is Thunder Road. I mean, the album that that song's on... Is fantastic, it, it's one of those al- out you know. Um, albums like that are few and far between. I killers, hot fuss is another one where you can press play and you leave it and it finishes, and it's like you've just heard a greatest hits collection. Mm. And I mean that from the point that any of those songs could, could have been the single, yeah. You could have released, I don't know how many songs, but 10 11 songs. They could have all been a single they would have all charted very well mm-hmm. but it's not like a greatest hits perspective because it just flows as an album not a collection of songs it's wonderful thunder road i know me and my wife katie we went to watch springsteen in oh it's going to be longer than i than i want to admit i think it was I was thinking it was a few years ago, but it was probably something like 2012 or something, maybe. Uh, we went to watch him at Hyde Park and he came out to, to kick off their set just with him and a, a, a pianist uh, accompanying him. Uh, <laughs> and he, he come out and he, he did this. And uh, I mean Hyde Park; those gigs are amazing. if He would have come on stage. What would it have been? I don't know. Half seven, eight o'clock. The sun's not quite setting, but it but it's getting low. So you've got that lovely peachness to the yeah. to the London sky. Uh, you can feel the buzz as as the the music that's playing goes down and out comes Springsteen. And the piano starts playing and it's this you're getting treated to, it's on YouTube you're getting treated to this a wonderful song but in such a special way it's just just Bruce and that and it just takes me back I remember my my nan had not long died when we went to that gig and it had been a you know as it is with bereavement a, a, a strange couple of weeks and when he started playing this, I just remember me and my wife put our arms around each other and we were just watching. It was just, it was beautiful. And now, I know a lot of Bruce Springsteen's songs, but I don't know all of them. He's got a hell of a lot of stuff and I'm not a super fan. Uh, But that set, I probably could recognise half of the songs, to be honest. It didn't matter. You know, sometimes you go and watch a band and you're like, Oh, I don't know this one. No, I can't really. I don't know this one. With this, it was like I don't know what this is, but it's amazing. The yeah. performance, the whole thing was just incredible. And it wasn't that long after uh, Clarence, the saxophone player, who had passed away, and they had Clarence's nephew who was now in the E Street Band playing the saxophone, and they did a saxophone breakup on the one song, and and they lowered the. The pace down, and, and and it all went quiet, and and then the saxophone player sat down, and then Bruce went and sat next to him, and he says, can "You see your uncle up there," and it was just like, yeah, it was just special, man. And Thunder Road takes me right back to that moment every time I hear it. Wonderful song. Hey,
0: what else can we do now? Moving on from the boss, we've got another first. Wow. And it's my favourite by this band as well. So what's, so what's this?
1: Uh, well, Pink Floyd, I don't argue that they're amazing, but I don't really know a lot of their stuff. When I was at university in my third year, second year, sorry, uh we moved into into houses out of the uh, halls and we needed, uh, oh, what was it, one or two? Basically, I, I can't remember. It was something like it was a four-bedroom place and there was three of us, mm-hmm. so we needed to get an extra one in. So we advertised it, and then this lad who was in the year above, he, he come down, James Haskins. Was a was a good good chap. Uh, we used to play a lot of, uh, oh God, what was it called? Uh Oh man, I can't remember. We had a PlayStation 1 and uh, we played a lot of football, but not FIFA, the other one. Oh. uh... It's where all the, you've got like Ronald Ronald McDonald instead of Ronaldo or whatever. Because they don't have the licensing. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, we used to smoke a bit of the green bang some beers down us and then we'd be on the PlayStation and we'd have tournaments and all that stuff and we had to you could win we called it the Julio Bombardo Cup <laughs> if you'd win and what what it was was an old Carlin Black label they used to on top of some of the pumps they had a proper diamond sort of looking thing with Carlin yeah. but I accidentally fell off a beer pump when I was in the vicinity of it one night in a pub accidentally um, yeah it just so happens that it fell off and i was there to catch it um and that became the julio bombardo cup anyway james was into his music and he says oh you gotta listen to this track pink floyd and i said then as i I still do now really i I don't know any of that stuff and he played it and it's just one of those songs that it just it blew me away but it, it Now here's the bold statement of the interview. I think it has uh, one of the best lines ever put into a song in it. Okay, which is the the line in the Pink Floyd song. Would you exchange a walk-on part in the war for a lead role in a cage? Uh, That it's it's so powerful if you reflect. You could sit and reflect and take meaning from that for hours. Would you exchange a walk-on part in the war for a lead role in a cage? It's just brilliant. It's it's just amazing. I, I, for, from my point of view, I can't think of a better line in anything that, that can just sum up a feeling of... It's, it's like bravery, it's like courage and it's challenging cowardice, but it's also challenging if you're scared or if you fear something, it, it fuels you as if you can actually overcome stuff, it's, it's so powerful yeah, to me it's, it's the, it, the
0: question is almost, are you brave enough to make the right choice here or are you going to take the the easy yeah. road
1: yeah, it's it, it's but it's summed up in those whatever it is 12 13 words yeah that that whole those sort of scenarios that you spend your life we all spend our lives working out what to do it's just gone bang it's just put into that mm-hmm. it's brilliant and it's i mean it's a great song as well of course but from an impact point of view for me that It's just wonderful. Okay, so moving on from Pink Floyd, who are we listening to now? I'll say the next one's George Harrison. You're not going to tell me this is a first as well? It absolutely is. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so when I discovered music, Ocean Colour Scene started the journey for me. And, you know, like, you you start branching off into stuff and trying to discover what else is out there, and you can't go far before you start looking at the Beatles. Mm -hmm. That's all. Uh, And the Beatles were amazing. And I love their stuff. And then I started looking at the solo stuff. And um, McCartney's stuff was okay. There's some brilliant stuff. John Lennon's is awesome. But from my point of view, George Harrison's was just wonderful. Mm -hmm. I I loved it. And the song I've chosen was I Live for You. But I basically could have chose any of the songs. Off All Things Must Pass, which I think it was, he released it in 1970. So it was very close to when the Beatles had broke up. And a lot of these songs George had already wrote, and the Beatles had deemed that, or or say the Beatles, maybe John and Paul thought they had better stuff or Mm -hmm. were dismissive of George's stuff the recording is it's so free I mean it's Phil Spector's producing it Um, (laughs) but obviously at the time (laughs) he was a you know he was one of the best to work with time's only shown that he was not the nicest person but um, he got the sound out for George there and uh, me and uh, Bishop who you also know who was in the circus my friend for many years we always say that All Things Must Pass is an album for the autumn you're not allowed to play it uh, spring or summer you can play it for the winter but it's got to be cold and frosty so like every year you can guarantee when we start getting into September, October he'll send me a message and he'll say is it time yet? (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll message back, I said, well, there's no frosts here, so it's not time, you've got to wait till the first frost, and then one of us will break. (laughs) But um, this song, it's it's such a one. George was such an amazing guitarist, and it's just, it heralds that sort of, you're coming out of the summer, the days are getting shorter, and it's not the greatest time of year from that point of view. But then there's there's a beauty about when you wake up on one of those cold, fresh mornings and you can see the your breath in front of you and, and the, the crispness of the frost on the grass. Um and then you put George Harrison on. And it's complete. All
0: this time I george harrison who will listen to now
1: oh so the next one is uh neil young with tell me why now this is the first track of uh that after the gold rush album which is my favorite neil young album now neil young he he is a huge influence on me as a songwriter and as a guitarist i He's just amazing. He can do folk, he can do country, he can do rock. He's got the whole lot in his bag. I've seen Neil Young play, I think three times live now, and he's amazing live still. You know how some people lose their edge as they get older? Mm -hmm. His vocals still sound just so great. He's brilliant on the guitar, and he's just bopping around. Like Him and Springsteen, they must have very good multivitamins because they're just like... Moving man, they're not on. Well, man, whatever we get through here, they're on. They're on some proper stuff. But uh, after the Gold Rush was the the album. I mean, I I heard Harvest, which is Neil Young's most like famous album. I heard that first, loved it. But this one it's just. it has got some great songs on it. But the album opens up with this song. And it sounds so full, but from what I can gather, there's two, maybe three (laughs) acoustic guitars playing it at the most, and there's nothing really else apart from a main vocal and then one or two backing vocals. And it's just got a wonderful balance, and it kind of taught me that not all songs have to be drum kit, bass guitar, one, two, three, four electric guitars, strings trumpets god knows what to sound full and complete mm-hmm. you know and, and when you can get that fullness uh, from a simple setup with the equipment that they had at the time well it's just beautiful there's a line in it that he sings when he was having he, he's i was reading his book and he was having well, he went through a bit of a period where he he felt a bit uh lonely and he the the one Line. It says, uh, "I am lonely, but you can free me." And he was playing it live, and he sang that, and then started crying at a gig because he finally connected with with, with what that meant. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's brilliant. <laughs>
0: Okay so moving on from Neil Young. The next one is a little bit of a left turn. Is this a first? <laughs> it's definitely a first, but I know I know you love this guy. So come on, tell tell us who this is.
1: Well, this is uh Andrea Bocelli. And this is him singing Nessun Dorma. Right. Uh, this sung and Bocelli both have it, just amazing connection. I first heard of him years and years ago from his song that he did with Sarah Brightman, Time to Say Goodbye. And even though I wasn't into opera or classical music at the time, it's a great song. And I remember hearing it and, and watching it on YouTube, seeing him sing it mm-hmm. and just being blown away by by his voice. It was wonderful. And unfortunately, to quote Celine Dionne, Uh, she she said that if God had a voice, it would sound like Andrea Bocelli's. And I have to agree with that. It's probably the only thing I'll agree with. Well, do you know what? I don't know Celine Dion, so I don't know why I'm sounding like (laughs) Celine Dion, because she's probably really nice. But um, I always had a soft spot for him from that point. Now, as I've matured, in fact, it'll be when, when I used to work in Worcester, when I used to manage all the train stations around Worcester and Hereford, I used to have the the, the 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 on-call car when I was on call. So instead of getting the train down there from uh, Tamworth, I used to drive the car. And I started listening to classic FM as opposed to the other radio because I just found it was, it was fresh. It was something different to listen to. And I really started getting into classical music. And it was amazing the amount of pieces that were played that I didn't know what they were, but then the, the, the hook may be only like 20 to 30 seconds in the song, and you've heard that thousands of times on adverts and in mm-hmm. films and so on. Yep. But the song itself is, is about six minutes long. And that started to, to to resonate with me on like songwriting and how you can... From coming from a, an influence that was like Britpop indie and then going into country, it's still very like three to four minute songs. Verse, verse, bridge, verse, verse, bridge, chorus, middle eight. Let's go back to the chorus again and we'll end or whatever it is. So classical music has shown me a different way of thinking of, 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 of music as such. Now, Ness and Dorma as a song, I mean, that that's just got... The, the uh, Italian United World Cup was was my first World Cup that I can remember. I didn't watch all the games. I would have only been seven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I remember when we was at school we had a wall chart and we were, we were all remembering what the scores were and we were filling them in and we had the sticker book and we were swapping stickers and it was that first sort of magic of the World Cup. And Ness and Dorma was the theme tune to that World Cup. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just brilliant. Um, now that was Pavarotti singing. That and my grandpa liked Pavarotti as well. So that song reminds me of my grandpa. Now, my grandpa was Welsh and he had a massive love for opera, uh, classical music and singing, and especially some of the old, uh, the male voice choirs from Wales. Like, mm-hmm. you'd go around and you'd be sitting listening to a CD, uh. Well, well, no, he wouldn't. It would be a record or a tape at the time, but never mind. And uh, so, so Andrea Bocelli. No, I'm going to go back to Ness and Dorma. When I planned to ask my wife to marry me, uh, I I, I planned a whole trip that went around Europe because at the time I was working on the railway. So we got really good discounted travel in Europe. Mm. A lot of it was free. Uh, So we went. Uh, England into France, Germany, Switzerland. No, Belgium first. I can't remember, man. We went round right there and then we went into Verona in Italy. That's where Juliet's balcony is. It's where Romeo and Juliet are from and I decided I was going to propose to there. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to do. I decided that well before the holiday. Now I looked and at the Arena di Verona, the open air, uh, wonderful Stone Theatre. They had um, to end up the the play that Ness and Dormer is is in it, Act Three. Um, so I decided I was gonna would watch the play Ness and Dormer would ring out, and then just as it finishes, I'm gonna turn around and pop the question with a ring. And I did that, and uh, it was pretty pretty uh, well. We've both had good proposals between us. <laughs> yeah. other, other, other people will struggle <laughs> to match what we have done. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> so that connected Ness and Dorma. And then moving on through time, I'd always wanted to see Andrea Bocelli live. And the opportunity to watch him in Vienna come up so we booked flights, we booked tickets, and we went to to watch the Bachmeister, as I like to call him, in uh, the in the Wankdorf Stadium. That uh, no, is what it's called lovely. in Vienna, the Wankdorf Stadium. So we got there early. We had um, lovely um, currywurst and chips outside. Went in and. Uh, i will have to say it was the best gig i've ever been to and i've seen some people live man but it was just amazing yeah he didn't say a word throughout the whole performance and usually i'd associate that with arrogance or someone being bored but it wasn't it was just it it was just it was like god was in the room he was he was so wonderful and i bet he smells so nice his hair looks so beautiful um I, if if if, if like, you walk past I'd just be like I'd just be hanging on the on hanging on the air <laughs> You know when like you used to see the in the cartoons like someone had like, like Scooby Doo, someone would cook a pie and then they Yeah draft past. I'd be like that, just chasing for a bit of bicelli pie, baby. But um he um he, he, he sang some songs and then he went off. He sang some songs and then he went off and then he went off and then he'd come on for his encore and he did time to say goodbye and then he goes off again so we thought that's it you know he's just shot his load blasted out his big one and then he comes out again and he starts singing and Dorma and I was thinking oh my god you know I always feel emotional it's a song that you struggle to I challenge anyone to listen to it and not feel the emotion of the performance. And I don't just mean Bacelli doing it. Whoever does it, apart from that go compare guy, no. Um, But he started playing it and I remember thinking, this is going to get me here. It's going to remind me of the, the proposal, italian I <laughs> what could have been. And um, he finishes the song on the big notes that, that we all know and I remember thinking I felt like oh man I'm not I'm not as emotional as I thought I'd be and I remember thinking like why it's been amazing but it hasn't it hasn't got me but then on the version that he does and I'm not sure if it follows what's the composition for the for the actual play or whether he's done this on the end it kicks off again and has another uh, few lines, and then a massive note at the end. And the only way I can describe it is that when on the normal finish, it's, so when you have sex, you <laughs> you build you build up, you know, and you're there, and it's coming, it's coming, and coming, and then boom, you, you orgasm, right? And you're in that moment of bliss, and then you sit back and you're like, oh, and you can feel that calm down, and you're just like, ah, oh, this is wonderful. So that's what I was like at the end of the song, and I was like, but I thought I'd be a crier, <laughs> 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 yeah, but, I, but I wasn't. So then, but then it goes off, and it, and this whole lot comes in, and he starts singing, and it, and it's that the recording that that that's here. It's got that on the end. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you've just you've just orgasmed, you sat there, and then something comes along and just goes, you're going again, mate. And <laughs> it built up. And then it was like the biggest explosion you could ever imagine, like 30 seconds after you've you've just done it. <laughs> and I know like Katie turned around to me <laughs> as if to go like wipe a single tear away and go wow that was good wasn't it and i was i was crying right like somebody just took my teddy off me i was gone i was i was slumped back in my seat i was streaming i was shaking my sh- i had the shoulders going and everything i was bawling like just total oversensitive crying orgasm it was just amazing so that's why this song is on the list
0: from andrea Pacelli we we find ourselves at your at your final track now obviously we know each other through through music and you're you're in the process of of putting music out again now but you there was a long time where you haven't been playing yeah for a couple of reasons and i i don't want to i don't want to push you further than you you're willing to go but um I, we're gonna have to get stuck into it because, be, yeah. because you, so you're in the process of recording an album yeah um and you're actually doing a GoFundMe me to cover the the production of that but but there's a there's a there's a noble cause beyond c- creating the album that you've got in mind so tell us tell us what you're doing
1: well the album I hope to release in November this year a couple of singles coming out in the summer and all the profits from the physical sales, any digital downloads and streaming revenues are all going to be donated to, um, the mental health charity, CALM campaign against living miserably. Yeah. I've actually, uh, I have a, an agreement in place with them, uh, where we're working together, uh, for, for them to have the profits, which is just amazing. it's took a it took a long time to 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 get that arranged as you probably understand it's it's not something you just phone up and get. Um, I, I mean personally it was 2016 when I um, I collapsed at work I was working um, in a senior management role on the railway and I collapsed at work and hit my head quite bad uh, on the platform at Birmingham New Street. Um, and I was diagnosed after that with a severe mental breakdown and following on from that uh, depression, anxiety and uh, PTSD which come after when I tried getting back to the workplace and it took me I mean it's going to be five years this November um, since, since I collapsed I still now have issues with depression, anxiety and PTSD but I've learned to handle them and live with them Mm -hmm. Uh, but it took me easily two years uh, to get myself in a position where I could work reasonable hours in a week go out and do a shop uh, or be in a crowded place or get on a well I still struggle getting on trains now um well we we, we met we, we
0: met with the intention of sitting down for a meal with you yeah. and, and, and the circus boys and yeah. you excused yourself for a minute so you could go outside I, I, you you might have under the pretense that you were having a smoke perhaps
1: but um in you no had, I, went, I went out to phone my mum that's what I did yeah because I, I could, I didn't feel I could do it, and my mum had been great through a lot of that, that time, I talking her through and talking me through stuff and trying to calm me down and so on. So I found her, and uh, I just tried to sort of use her as a sounding board to talk myself through being able to be out, mm-hmm. and uh, just couldn't do it, could I? No. Can do it, yeah. You know? So now oh, I remember I come back in and says I gotta go put my coat on, and I went, yeah. But I mean, that's things like that happened for a long, long time. Um, it, that wasn't so much PTSD related, that was that was anxiety. I yeah. mean, after, after I collapsed, I couldn't like physically get out of the house for about six to eight weeks because whenever I tried to leave the house my body was and my brain was just saying you're in danger you can't do it and I'd have crippling panic attacks just at the door yeah and I had to build myself up for ages I, I set myself the challenge one day of uh getting to the bottom of the street and back that was it yeah and uh I managed to do it. It was was three and a half months since I drove a car. Mm -hmm. Three and a half months to even drive a car. Yeah. And then I just took it off the drive, went up to the top of the road and come back.
0: Yeah.
1: Very difficult times. But we've got through it. And because of that, that's why I... uh, Well, I had to spend a lot of time evaluating things that... I won't call it things that went wrong because that was a negative evaluating what I could do differently in, in this new life I've been given, uh, to enable me to live the best life I could mm-hmm. comfortably to enable me to be a good husband, a good son, a good friend and, and, a, and a father, which is, you know, what has happened, which is amazing. um, But, yeah, it it took time to do that. And one of the things that... See, when I left the band in 2014, I'd had enough of playing. It had become such a chore. Uh, Ten years of trying to write songs, book gigs, arrange gigs, arrange practices, working a career and, and pushing your career on while trying to, you know finish work and get to London for a gig and then get back at three in the morning and get up at six to be into work and that mm-hmm. it's a young man's game but um, it, it, it caught up and I'd, I'd had enough the fun had gone out of it so when I left the band I didn't I, did, I didn't pick up I honestly didn't pick up my guitar for it's got, to, it's got to be three four years didn't touch didn't touch it it was in a box and it was out of the way Didn't want to see it. Um, And and then as I started healing and was on my own journey of working out a new way of living, I looked at my guitar one day and I picked it up and I just had a plink and it felt good. (laughs) And I started feeling slightly creative and slightly energised by it. and did, when, The first time you sat and played
0: through some songs, did you feel better for it? Did you feel like
1: it had an effect on your mood? Well, with all the old songs that I used to play in the circus, I didn't want to play any of them, so I didn't even listen to the music we made or recorded it for years because... I didn't. I didn't. Not that I didn't like it, but it just reminded me of stress instead of enjoyment. Yeah. So, when I started playing the guitar, I plinked it, and I think I played one of the, one of the older songs. So, which would be the first time I'd played it for years, and I remember saying to stuff. That's a good song. And I remember thinking, like, ah, you know. Uh, It was as if I'd, uh, well, having a breakdown is certainly one way of letting go of the past or beginning that process. But, yeah, I felt a new connection to some of the old stuff and then started writing. New songs were just, I mean, I hadn't wrote a new song in years. Um, Towards the last couple of years in the circus, I think I wrote one, maybe two songs and i'd wrote two albums before that yeah um but then it just started coming but with a freshness you see i always used to and and this was disguising itself really as some of the struggles i was having i used to feel that i had to be under the influence of something to write a song Mm -hmm. very early when i when i was at university and just after I, I used to like to get stoned to write a song. I used to think that that's what I had to do because that's what the rock stars do mate. And I used to have to, you know, that that's the only way I'd write a song. And then when I knocked uh, the, the, the weed on the head all those years ago, I was drinking. So I'd be like, if I'm going to write a song, I've got to be pretty battered. So, you know, there'd be a bottle of wine or some whiskey or some beers and it would be part of that. Now, I think that, well, I definitely did use alcohol as a coping coping mechanism throughout uh, the years of, of, of starting to get ill, mm-hmm. and it would have contributed towards that. There's no doubt about it. it, it unfortunately, alcohol is a massive um, coping mechanism for a lot of people in management or high-stress roles. Um and it can contribute, it can do worse than it actually does good but that's a conversation for another time but I think what came was that I could play guitar and write a song from here from me it didn't matter that I wasn't stoned or pissed or any of the above and I think that Realization that it's actually me that creates the stuff, and that I don't need influences to put me in a place I can actually put myself there was mm-hmm. a huge, huge part of my own like, journey of discovering how I could move forward. Amazing. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, we'll make sure that we link to all of the all of the the connection towards the process of supporting the album in the in in the hope of generating support for the, the campaign against living miserably um, myself and my work friends regularly sort of contribute to to cam there's a charity bike ride that we do where you can do like uh, 25 50 or 100 miles around the hampshire uh, countryside so i am well aware of the the good work that they do and' they're, they're under resourced you know they're uh, they're yeah. in the in the grand scheme of things they're a small charity, but they do a lot of good work, so we'll definitely make sure that we we point the the listener towards all of that for you mate but moving on moving on to your last track who's your last track by
1: oh well this is um crocodile shoes by you give me an eye and this song has never failed to put a smile on my face when I hear it. I really like Jimmy Nail. I don't know where he's gone, but I'm going to find him. <laughs> <And I'm, laughs> I am going to bring him back. And it's going to be my aim, actually, that um, I'm going to see if I can, if we can do an album launch gig in November, I'm going to see if I can get Jimmy Nile to come play it. <laughs> that would be impressive. Yeah, if not, I'll um, I'll just get a random Geordie. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, now a lot of people know the song, but maybe not as many people know that this was actually a song for, uh, that was from a TV show. Me, I watched it. Yeah.
0: So like, now, I, my my parents got me this album for Christmas because we all watched the show together
1: yeah hey I remember like my dad my dad watched it and I watched it with dad and I mean really I think from my age I shouldn't have been allowed because I think it was on after the watershed yeah there's a few night scenes maybe I should have been in bed so it was one of them that you was like oh dad's letting me watch Crocodile Shoes and you sort of sit there and you're like I'm a man now you know and um it's see, It's 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 a great. Uh, do you know? While I was getting better, I actually rewatched that because it's on YouTube. Oh, it is like, amazing. Yeah. That's it. I mean, uh, yeah. And um, it's just that story of of working class Geordie makes it massive in Nashville. <laughs> it's like it's just a great thing. And it, my both my parents like their music my dad was big into the stones my mom was into a 60s motown and country so that was the sort of music that i grew up with and then watching the thing with jimmy Nile was, was brilliant it the, the song itself it's a great song it's a very sad song when you listen to it properly if you i, I think the the video did more harm than good because the video was a bit of a send-up you had like a there was a, the, the, the the shoes were like
0: animated, so that they yeah. made they made the video humorous, which yeah. which is completely at, at odds with what the song is.
1: Yeah, and um, it's a very sad song, and Jimmy Niles got a great voice, and he, he's a great songwriter. There's a song of his called Big River, which is mm-hmm. just an absolute tune. Um, but so that song connects me that way. But I will tell you what, the, the best thing about it was. That, that, that you know about, and um, people listening may not. There's a pub in Tamworth called Buns, right? And on a Monday night, I mean, this is going back years ago, uh, it used to have karaoke on a Monday night. Yep. So every now and then we used to pop down. And now, you, in this pub, you do get all walks of life, don't you? You'll yes. get hip hop influence guys. You know, wearing their, their track suits and the baseball caps you'll get mud looking guys rock looking guys yeah 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 uh, you could all sorts it it, it was it was the cross section of like youth culture
0: in Tamworth
1: that's a that's a better way of putting it than me just using my phrases but you get everything yeah so the karaoke night was a pro I mean there used to be a guy I can't remember what his name was but he used to wear like a shirt a, a suit and his shirt and sign and used to go up and sing Sinatra stuff. Oh, mate, I bet like, that was amazing. Proper old school. But anyway, uh, there was this lad who got up once, and uh, he looked like, he'd, if he was the fourth member, well, I don't know how many people there are, actually. If he was a member of Run DMC, you you, you wouldn't question it. He yeah, was yeah. just like that, right? So he gets up, and I'm thinking, oh, what are we going to have here, then? And he does crocodile shoes, right? But he sings it. Oh, he doesn't sing it. He basically, he does it like it's a hip-hop song. So he's going like, The rain falls down. I'm soaking through. I'm an old man. Sad my young man's shoes. He was very bad at it. It wasn't you know, it wasn't good. But when it comes to the chorus, he's like, Crocodile Shoes. Crocodile Shoes and uh, it was just surreal so even (laughs) from all the points of listening to watching Crocodile Shoes with my dad the song how sad it is and that I I also get this night in Buns which for me summed up what a night in Tamworth could be Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and you know Tamworth is, is I wouldn't call it a small town anymore it's 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 a larger town it's very close to brom and there there are some all walks of life yep. and buns especially buns is like the bar in, in Tatooine, isn't it yeah you know, <laughs> yeah a little bit it's like that and you know
0: a hive of scum and villainy <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah My friend said he don't like you <laughs> i don't like you <laughs> but, um, But, uh, yeah, and it was just, yeah, it's a great song. Jimmy Nile, coming back November 2021.
0: (laughs) All right, well, look, man, I'm so glad we got to do this. Thank you very much for coming on. I'll make sure that everyone knows about your your campaign for the album. Uh, Thank you very much for giving up your
1: time, mate. No, thanks so much for having me. It's been great fun.
0: So that concludes what has been for me a very important episode of Mixtapes with Mike. I've known Craig a long time and I'm very proud of how open he is about everything he's been through and the steps he's taken to rebuild his life and he is succeeding in doing so. As always we've kept the music discussed played below the conversation because I believe that all musicians should be paid something for what they do. So if you do want to listen to Craig's mixtape in full, you can listen to it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. But for now, I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike.